Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Across the Arts with Patrick D. McCoy. I am Patrick D. McCoy, the African American voice in classical music, and I want to welcome you to this first show, believe it or not, of 2013. War and Peace. That sounds like a mini-series, doesn't it? Well, today our show is called War and Peace because we're speaking about music of reconciliation. So we hear about divorced couples all the time, and when people divorce, you hear about them talk about who's going to get the house or the car or who's going to get even the children. But what happens when people divorce that share a talent together and now they no longer join in that participation of which that is beautiful, and that is creating music. Today, we are joined by two opera singers, but not just two opera singers. We're joined by two opera singers who were once married to one another. Today, we are joined by soprano Marlissa Hudson. Excuse me, I said husband. Think about her husband. Soprano (laughs) Marlissa Hudson. And also joining her is her ex-husband, Tenor Colin Eaton. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you so Thank much, you for, much having us. for having us. Appreciate it. Now, Colin, I'm going to actually start with you. You probably don't remember me, but I met you when I first moved to Washington, D.C. I actually reviewed you. You were the tenor in Handel's Messiah at the Kennedy Center, and I met you with a dear friend of mine, Mrs. Holt. We met, and when I looked at your son, when you introduced me to your son, I looked at this young man, and I said, okay, and I put his, his face in my in my memory bank, and then a couple years later, I met Marlissa, and then I saw Hudson. And I said, wait a minute. This little guy looks just like somebody that I met years ago. And now it all comes together that Hudson is your son who you had with Marlissa. Does that ring a bell to you? That does ring a bell, actually. Wow, that's amazing. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what year was that? That What was that like? Uh, I think that was about 2000. Eight, I would say, because I think I started now. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, so it's good to have you on. Now, Melissa, I'll start with you um, in terms of speaking directly about the concert. Now, this concert I saw all over Facebook, and it piqued my interest. War and peace. From your, just start with you. What possessed you all to decide to do a concert together? Your divorce. Who does that? Tell me about it. <laughs> Well, you know, I've been experimenting with different types of programs for a little while, trying to get a lot of my friends who I know um, have the money, frankly, to go to classical concerts but don't. So I was like, what would draw them in? Um, and, like the concept for my newest CD, Lust, I said, what would be alternative but relevant to people right now? And what's more relevant than two divorced people coming back together? Um, So I I came to Colin and I said, you know, we should just do a recital together because All Souls asked me to do one. And we were toying around with ideas, and even though we're still fuzzy on who said what, (laughs) about who actually said it to be about the divorce, we agreed that it should tell our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, I mean, it sounded so great. my idea, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. So... Even after we got it all together in theory, it wasn't until the rehearsal started that I was like, oh, man, this is really going to happen. And um, I think it hit me most strongly when we did our first love duet. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to touch him (laughs) and mean it, right? Wow. 
that is that is really interesting to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of put Colin in the in the hot seat. So Colin, I heard you say under your breath it was it was your idea. Um, how would you say, my listeners, what was her initial reaction to it when you brought it to her? Well, in, in all truthfulness, she asked me to do a recital with her, and we were kicking around ideas, and I said, why don't we do something that, why don't we just completely expose ourselves on stage, you know, um, tell our story of, of what we went through, and then she she ran with the idea of, you know what, that would be very engaging because, you know, no one ever tells, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of divorce. They ever tell the bad and the worse. But we actually have a story that goes across, has a complete climax, and, and also has it comes back down to where we are right now, which is a very good friends and who, who happen to share a child together and have a, have the history that we have. So it was it just it became it start, took a life of its own at that point. But like she said, we didn't really realize what we were getting ourselves into until we started rehearsing, and then it became very real, <laughs> you know. Especially for me, who was, I'm I'm remarried and I have two other kids as well. So it's a uh, it became more of a. Uh, Honey, can, am I allowed to do this type situation for, to my mm-hmm. wife? And she was all on, all on board because she, is, um, my wife and Marlissa are actually good friends as well. So it's it's a uh, it, it's becoming a family affair, so to speak. Wow! So when when one comes to this concert, which is on this Sunday, uh, March seventeenth, at All Souls Unitarian Church in Washington D.C. at four o'clock p.m. So when one comes to this concert, and we're going to see Marlissa resplendent in some divified gown, I'm sure, and we're going to see you sharp, in, <laughs> and we're going to see you sharp in your touch, and we're going to get this whole um, outward illusion of beauty. I'm sure it wasn't always like that. So who wants to take a stab into what led to you guys separating and then subsequently divorcing? Um, mm. Marlissa, you, you want to take lead on that one? Or? Father in heaven. Okay, so if we're doing this... Like, well, be honest, you know, you know. I will. Well, you know, there's three sides to every story. So the way I saw it, things weren't perfect, right? But I, at, in the beginning still wanted um, to be together. And so from my perspective, it hit me like a ton of bricks. One day I came home, and he was basically like, you know, you're not who you used to be. I don't love you anymore. So typically when you hear something like that, my whole world just shattered. And I spent the, the following three weeks trying to convince, you know, that we should do counseling, we should do blah, 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 we can make this work. And then, you know, you have one of those moments where you, it's just an epiphany. And I don't remember exactly what he said to me, but something in me snapped. And frankly, I just went cold. And I realized, you know, even though divorce wasn't something I planned on doing, if somebody doesn't love you, you don't stay. Mm. You know, regardless. So to be fair... Um, some months later, Colin came back and wanted to reconcile. But by that point, just I didn't have anything in me to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I'd already moved back home. It just wasn't happening. And you know we have a son, so it just made the whole thing that much more difficult. But I also don't believe people should stay together because of a child. So you have to ask Colin what the impetus was for wanting the divorce in the first place. Okay, Colin, go ahead. <laughs> uh, 
impetus for wanting to get a divorce in the first place? Well, it, it was, of course, a lot of this story is going to come out at the recital, but so I'll, I'll just surmise a little bit. We had we were, um, let's say, living beyond our means. Um, mm. I had a lot of different stressors at the time, and Marlissa, she was the one who really wanted to pursue her music career more, and she was like that from when we first met. She she just was, she was, had this desire to always sing, always pursue the music, and she wasn't happy because she was working in the office at the time. You know, we like I said, living beyond our means, we needed two incomes to support the house that we had, the family, the cars, things like that. So when I told her that she's not what she she's not who she used to be or who she wants to be, um, she didn't understand or believe me at the time because she wasn't looking at it the way I was looking at it. I was I was looking at the person that that I'd fallen in love with, and she was no longer there. She she just sort of had this general malaise about her. Her eyes were glossed over, and she was in the. I remember like it was yesterday. She was in the kitchen preparing preparing dinner, and I was sitting at the table. And when I asked her the question, I said, "When you." When you tell me that you love me, all those times you say it, do you still mean it? And she said, yeah, I think I do. And I said, I don't, because you're not the same person anymore. And I don't know I don't know exactly what brought me to that point. It was a series of things, feeling inadequate. I wasn't making enough money to support the family of my own so she can go do something on her own, whatever the case may have been. But once you get to that point in your head where I was, I, at the time I was, doing the primary caring for our son because she worked crazy hours and my job had very flexible hours. So by the time she got home from work, I'd already had a routine with Hudson, and then she'd come in. I felt like she was messing up our routine. All these things that just started to lay on top of on, on each other, I was like, do, do I really need this anymore? Does she really need this anymore? And it, it came out of my mouth before I even knew what I was saying, and once it's out there, you can't take it back. So I just decided to go to, talk, to charge forward instead of trying to renege and uh, try to make something work that I didn't feel was was going to be working anymore. Well, and one of the things that, and Colin and I differ on how we approach things in general. Mm-hmm. So he has a gift for being really funny. Like, he has, a, he has a quick tongue, no pun intended. So he can be either really funny uh-huh. or really sort of sharp. Ha-ha, <laughs> right. Sharp and just mean. <laughs> So some of the things he said to me, I had never heard any other human say to me. Mm. And it just it cut me in a way that, you know, like I tell Hudson, I'm sorry doesn't fix everything. So once certain things come out of your mouth, at least for me, it leaves an indelible impression on you. And, you know, we went back and forth. And, I, you know, I did hate working just a job and not being musical anymore. But, and we tried to do the music thing, but I, I think the way we viewed the world was just so different. And I'm not trying to be overly diplomatic, but I've had so much time. Now, if you'd asked me this question six months after the divorce, I'd have had a whole other set of explanations at the ready. So we all would, you know. On radio. <laughs> mm. But, I mean, we just became two different people. The vision I had for us had crumbled. I'd imagined us taking the world on by storm together and performing, but it just didn't work. Now, I want to and- interject right there. I'm sorry, I want to interject right there. Because Colin, um, in his in his um, statement, he was saying how basically you had a zeal to perform. Now, Colin, both of you all as singers, uh, you didn't find yourself necessarily pursuing 
uh, singing as much as Marlissa did? How did that play out? Well, and this is something that I told Marlissa when we were dating. Um, we had, Once we have a family, um, that's my primary objective. My primary goal is to be the best husband and best father that I could possibly be. And I felt more like a, a business partner or associate when it came to the music aspect with Marlissa when all, I just wanted to be the husband. I wanted to be her husband, you know. And that so that, that when, when she said our worldviews differed, yes, they did. Um, even to this day, I mean, well, a couple of weeks ago we had a conversation. She's like, Colin, why aren't you singing more? Why aren't you doing this and that and the other? And I told this to my son. I'm telling this to you now, uh, Mr. McCoy. I would much rather be known to my children as the world's greatest father than known to the world as the world's greatest singer. That's just always been my outlook. That's always been my outlook. Now, I sing whenever I can, everywhere that I can, but if it takes me, if it takes me too far away from my family, I don't do it. That's because I, I prefer to be there with them than to be on stage. Now, on stage, I'm, I come alive. It's a totally different person, and I love it. But I can't, I can't sacrifice the time that I spend with my family for that. It's funny that you say that because you have you have so many um, singers who have made the opposite decision. They have they have not had families and, and things of that nature for that very reason because they wanted to pursue um, international careers. But you do have singers now who actually uh, find a happy balance, you know, between that. And I and I personally think that if one could find that balance where they can devote themselves to their family and, and then also enjoy a career, I commend them on that as well. But I want to go on further um, to speak to something else. Now, you all are going through a divorce and all this tumultuous emotions and things of that nature. Now, you both know that as a singer, it's very emotional. And generally, you can't hide from your audience. It's very transparent. When you get on that stage and if you're mad or upset or whatever the case, that comes through in your performance. Have either one of you ever been handicapped in a performance because of your emotions that derived from your divorce and what you were going through? Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Definitely. Um, I mean, I've... The biggest, luckily for me, it happened at, at, at a church service. So I wasn't, you know, on a stage where people wouldn't be as understanding. Mm. But you know how it is when you have a church job and you're hired to sing. And it was just something the minister said to me. And I, I couldn't tell you to this day what it was he said, but maybe it was the way he looked at me. And I just broke down and had to run out of the sanctuary. I couldn't finish the service. I couldn't even breathe for at least 15, 20 seconds. It was horrible. And I'm, I yeah. am one of those people who prides myself on being very controlled when it comes to those types of things. I save, I try to save my passion for my friends on the stage, <laughs> not for the business side of it. Right. So that, I was, I was disgusted by myself. I, I couldn't believe I'd let that happen. But it does. Go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry. I'll just say, I'll just say, Marlissa, you're lucky enough to be able to leave. Mine happened in the middle of the song while I was singing, and it reminded me of times. You know, you, whenever you go through a divorce, you always think of the bad time, bad times. How is it her fault? How is it his fault? But you, those times that those good times, they pop into your head every now and then too. And when the, and it was at a moment when I was singing at a church service, and the good time popped in my head. 
the song I was singing about, can't even remember, can't tell you, but I just know I, I'm sobbing and crying and this and that the other. And the, the church, thank goodness, they embrace it as a spiritual movement when deep down inside I know it's because I destroyed something and I, I ripped, you know, something that I did caused someone else to hurt. And not just Marlissa, I'm talking about my son, you know. It was uh, it's still very, very difficult for me. You know, actually, one of the songs we're doing on this recital, I was rehearsing it in my car after church a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't get through the song rehearsing it by myself because I was just thinking about my son, and he's here now, you know? <laughs> so it's you never forget those emotions. The good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, they're always there, and you can't control when they pop up. Unlike Melissa, I'm not as controlled over my – I don't try to control myself that much because I feel that if you're completely naked to the audience by hook or by crook, they're going to they're going to embrace you, and I just and that's on the business side as well. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Melissa knows how to say something to annoy me to no end. Still to this day, and then she'll sit there and try to have control tone. And then when I have a control tone, she wants to raise. It's one of those balancing acts. So I, but that's just me, and I don't. I'm not. I don't apologize for it. I'm not shy about it. It's just you know. That that that's who I've always been. So I, I I embrace like if I start crying and stuff like that, it'll be embarrassing. But I embrace it. That's that's who I am at this point anyway. I have three kids now, and I turned into a big crybaby when I had my last child, my daughter. You know, so I, I, now I cry for everything, for anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so well, and I'm not saying I'm not saying I really think that people appreciate, you know, that kind of authenticity because I, I want to share a moment that I actually reviewed about is in print, so I want to make a point of it. I went to the Washington Courts a couple of weeks ago. They performed Mendelssohn's Elijah. And mm-hmm. um, one of the most moving moments for me is that um, the soprano, Janice Chandler, who is very spiritual and very connected mm-hmm. to the church, very beautiful voice, beautiful person. But one of the moments that was very transparent for me that, that you know, sometimes you want to separate, like, religion and the stage and all these things from each other. But she was singing the aria, Hear Ye Israel. And at the end of that phrase, it's a line in there that says, For I am thy God, he that strengthens me. You know, before I do it, and I looked up, her hand was right in the air. You know, you know, concert etiquette probably would have said, you know, your hand is going to be on your score or these things. But, you know, in that moment, she felt that moment, and she let that be real to the audience. And I think because she was transparent in her emotion at that moment, the people received it beyond what protocol dictates you're supposed to do. But I want to move forward just a little bit. I want to go to the theme of the concert, War and Peace. I love the Manic Concerts. I think it says a lot about the musician and the artist when they have taken time to pick a theme and then carefully craft the repertoire around that theme. So I want to commend you all for that. And so with that being said, can you, either one of you, maybe begin by taking me on a journey. Uh, if I was to come to this concert, um, what parts of the repertoire, what composers would represent this war or this peace or reconciliation? Well, I broke it. You know, first, I'm sorry, just one small interjection. Like, mm-hmm. For me, the vulnerability piece, you're right, Patrick, is absolutely critical, and that is one of my strengths on the stage. But off the stage, no, ma'am, no, sir, not having it. <laughs> So I don't want my friends to call me and cuss me out like, you let Colin say that you're not vulnerable on stage and he's all open and honest. 
And it's definitely not that kind of a thing because we wouldn't be able to do this if it weren't for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if right. I didn't want, right. if I wanted to stay private, it couldn't happen. But for and the here's program another, itself. Here's thing. No, one, no one cares. No, hold on a second. Here's another thing real quick. She had to interject that because she knows I don't care what people think about me <laughs> or what my friends think or say. So there you go. Now, now you go ahead, Mark. <laughs> We'll deal with that. Anyway, y'all are, y'all are cut down. <laughs> we are, look here. Um, so looking at the program, we're going through the whole progression, you know, from the flirting where, you know, you see each other. and you, We met seeing Terminesha together. It was what you call a showman. So we figured why not tell the story that way? I mean, I'm singing a song about being flirty, and then he sings something showy also. Kind of like, look at what I can do. No, look at what I can do. Hey, maybe we should do it together. And then it goes into the love where it becomes more developed. And we have, just that's when you get to do the most gorgeous music, like the Torna Mia from Don Pasquale, mm-hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite duets. And the Oso Ave Fanchula comes in at that same area. Then, you know, Patrick creeps in the doubt. And Colin Tooth could interject whenever you want. But we're starting oh, no, to have you're doing questions a great job. about it. Okay. And the I Am In Doubt by Undine Smith-Moore. Patrick, you might be familiar with that one. Oh, my God, yes. Talk- She's taught it my alma that mater. Song- yes, that song is the truth. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it starts, I love you, I'll love you until stars fall. I mean, when you think about how long that is, She's grasping at something, right? That's a long yes. look here. That means I love you after I'm dead, after my kids are dead. It will still be there. And then, you know, he expresses the same thing, and we keep mirroring each other in our in our pain, and then you get to the divorce itself, which I'm going to do this since you went away. Um, yes. Which, um, Leslie Adams, H. Leslie Adams, mm-hmm. which is just gorgeous and extremely painful. And Colin is going to sing two songs after that, which I might have to leave the room for. I don't know if I can make it. Um, Lonely House from Street Team, which he used to sing it when we were married, and it would make me tear up then, um, as well as Bring Him Home. And I can let Colin speak on that more, but it has to do with the fact that when we got divorced, um, I'll say in his defense, he brought it up not thinking I'd actually do it but said something to the effect that, well, you should just go back to St. Louis, which is where I'm from. And I did it. So he was without Hudson for three years. And he and Hudson, my son, our son, uh, they're very close. So that probably ripped a hole in him more than anything else that happened. So, Colin, I don't know if you want to expand on that, sound on that. All right. I got. I just got uh, weepy just a second ago. <laughs> Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, after she sings the uh, I'm in Doubt, that's that's when I get completely honest about who initialized, who started the divorce process, who did all. Uh, it was it was me, and I don't want anyone to have any misconceptions or try to. No, I, there's no, there was there was there were actually no victims in in the very beginning. But if there was one that was close to a victim, it was Marlissa, not me. So the, the song that I chose to sing for that section is, of, is the ideal from uh, Madam Butterfly. We were saying farewell to his, to, to his homeland. Um, so I'm basically saying, even though you're in doubt and sounds better, I'm saying goodbye. And um, and I want people, I want the listeners to know that 
you know, they, that I'll, if, if you come to the concert, I fully expect to be booed for that portion right there. Um, it took Marlis and I a long time to reconcile, to come to where we are right now. So I, I'm fully comfortable with the entire process of going through the full range of emotions to get to where we are, to, to get to this place. Um, the Lonely House, that song signifies a great deal to me because after they left, I was stuck in a house that I never wanted, and it became my tomb. I felt like I was dying in there. And um, at one point, a lot of people don't even know this, at one point I was suicidal. I didn't want to live anymore. I couldn't pay the bills. I couldn't see my son. Uh, things were going poorly at work. And all I had was, was this house that I hated. And I was stuck there, and silence became deafening. Everything around me became personified. And that's what that song signifies. After I um, finally got rid of what I, what I felt was barnacles stuck to my back, then I got to a place of peace and understanding, and I wanted my son back. And I prayed to God almost every night to say, God, please bring my son home. And I didn't think of any other more. Yeah, I couldn't think of any okay. more song. <laughs> you all have my eyes watering Amen. going here. I'm trying to connect this is serious. Oh, Bye. my goodness. So, so I couldn't think yeah. of anything more appropriate than that, the same, because cause finally God softened my sister's heart and brought my son back. So. Hmm. You know, this, I just want to, you know, I, I need to pause and um, just commend both of you for being so transparent and to even uh, put your your lives on display like this. You know, I'm sure in, in pop music culture, things like that, it's commonplace for you to turn on the news and see this famous couple, you know, got divorced. But, you know, of course, as you know, classical music has such an air of uh, – uh, what am I want to say? Delicacy, and I guess some things that you're not supposed to talk about. But it's more, it's common, just as common in this art form as any other. I mean, you have someone like Leontine Price and uh, William Warfield. You know, what two better uh, opera figures could you imagine to be married and then you know divorced? And um, then you have Roberta Alonja and Angela Gorgiou and and things of that nature. So it's not as uncommon as people you know would think. So just moving ahead, you know, you're doing this concert. Do you all see yourselves doing this concert um, again? I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm sure it took an emotional weight to just do this one concert. Would you consider touring with this? Oh, Father in heaven. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's... Well, no, I, I, let me take the lead on this one first, Mark, because I think that her and I, Marlissa, is for as, as, as much pain and heartache that we both went through, um, because she did get me back <laughs> for, for the, the pain that I caused her, and I commend her for that. I don't, I'm not angry with her about that anymore. Um, but for all the pain and heartache we went through, she has never stopped pushing me to do more with my music career. She's never stopped. Mm. Even in the middle of an argument, you know, she would still say, you know what, you still should be doing this. There's no reason why you shouldn't be doing this, yada, yada, yada. So this is – I take this opportunity on the radio station to say if we ever – Get opportunity to tour with this. I'm on. I'm on board 100 percent because it's not just singing to me. This is telling a story that people need to hear. Because I was, I, I put a flyer up at work for this concert, and a lady that I worked with, she went through a divorce not too long ago. She said, "I really commend you for the things that you guys are doing." Because I was like, "Well, you know, every journey has a beginning, middle, and end, and and ours just happens to have a new beginning as well." And she said, "Because not everybody can do that, and people need to know that anybody can do it." 
Mm. You have to have two willing parties, willing participants yeah. to stop listening to your friends cackling, stop listening to, you know, reading news articles and this and that, stop reading a, a book, Men Are From Mars, Men Are From Me, wherever it is, and talk to the person. You guys shared a life together for years. Now you can't even talk to the person. Why? You need to find out where that hurt is, recognize the hurt, deal with the hurt, and forgive one another. And that's what this concert's all about. Yeah, forgiveness is probably the biggest piece of it. And I think also it helps to be in, uh, to have healthy relationships and people who aren't trying to poison what you're doing. I mean, I, see, I come from a background where I'm always told my mother is harping on me all the time, and it sticks in my head in a good way now, that my music is a ministry. Because we've been given these gifts, there's a purpose behind it, right? So if that purpose can partially be to help heal other people, then all the better. I mean, I, I've had a couple of people come up to me. One lady was in tears because she was just beginning of the divorce process and, and couldn't believe that we'd come out on the other side of it. So I talked to her for a while, and, you know, I'm nobody's counselor, but what I could do is tell her the pain that I'd experienced and that it can be healed. Because in the middle of it, I can tell you that first year when I was back home, you know, poor also and crazy, you could not have convinced me that I would be where I am right now. Because even my music career, I had to start over. I mean, you know very well, Patrick, how much money it takes to be successful in this industry. Yes, indeed. You have to have resources, yeah. So I didn't know what I was going to do. But because That's of the a whole concert, other show. Look here. Um, <laughs> because, because of this concert, we have an opportunity to help other people work through their pain. And I know, you know, the same way you sat at that concert with Janice, did you not feel the spirit of God come upon you when she when she did that? Did it not reach your yes, heart? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So yes, exactly. Did. That's what we're doing for people who have either been through pain or in pain or know somebody who's in pain. My God. Now, as we move as we move towards uh, just the end of, end of the interview, I want to um, interject something else. We we mentioned Hudson just a little bit. Um, as I mentioned early on when we began, I mentioned the fact that I ran into well, I met Colin initially, and then I uh, saw uh, Hudson and met him separately, aside from you. And then years later, I've met. Uh, Hudson with you, Marlissa, out at concerts, mm -hmm. but I've never had the opportunity to meet Hudson in the context of the two of you performing together. Could you maybe mm. speak to, has, he, has Hudson had an opportunity to hear you guys rehearse together for this concert, and what does he think about it? Well, um, he he's beside himself with joy. <laughs> yeah, but he loves it. Hudson wants I mean, nothing more than peace and harmony between the worlds. So to have his two have his two divorced parents come together and do a concert like this, at which which he's a huge part of emotionally, physically, you know, spiritually, mentally, it's it's uh he's he's all he's all teeth, you know. So Yeah, when I announced wow. it at church he was with me and he was like, Yes, my mom and dad are finally gonna sing together and I'll be there and it's be great. I think nobody's wilting flower. You'll, you'll. No, that boy is no. probably destined for the stage, but we're fighting it currently. At least I am. Yeah, well, we, haven't, we haven't sang together since 2006. You know, in 2006, Hudson was what barely three when it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, the last time we, you know, so barely two. Like, it, was, it was a while back. So he was a. Uh, so he's very excited about this. 
Um, just one more point before we close. I understand, um, and either one of you can talk this, I understand that Marvin Mills, who is certainly well-known in this area as an organist and accomplice, will be accompanying the both of you on recital. I understand that there's a world premiere, not world premiere, but I understand there's a premiere happening at the program. Yes, that's that true. true. He, Marvin is magical with repertoire. You know those people who can just pick songs out of air for you? Yes. And because he and I have been working together so long, he knows my voice. And he found a Stevie Wonder song called Kiss Lonely Goodbye that apparently was in Pinocchio. Who knew? And he's arranged it for me. I mean, I'll sing it in my voice. I'm not going to try to sound like a pop singer all of a sudden. But it's gorgeous, and it it talks about the healing that comes, you know, when you acknowledge where you've been and, you know, you can't believe where you're going. Absolutely beautiful. Well, I want to say, Colin, Marlissa, thank you both for being here today. I'm just going to tell you, I think that you really have uh, helped a lot of people to see the the bigger picture that even when you're going through adversity, there is something more beautiful on the other side. I want to commend both of you for presenting this concert, and I do want to take the opportunity to let the listeners know the details about the concert. The concert is March the 17th, this Sunday, at 4 o'clock p.m. at Washington, D.C.'s All Souls Unitarian Church. Marlissa, is there an admission price for the concert? Yes, tickets are twenty dollars for adults and ten for students or children. Okay, can people buy those tickets at the door? Definitely. That's what we're oh, counting yes. on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if you all, um, if, if, I'll just I'll start here. Um, people, if people want to follow either one of you, do you have websites? I'll start with you, Marlissa. Could you go ahead and give the uh, listeners your website and contact information in case they want to engage you for a recital? Or how do people follow you? Certainly. Well, with a name like Marlissa Hudson, it's hard to hide on the Internet anyway. So if they want to get everything, they could just Google Marlissa Hudson. But my website's MarlissaHudson.com. My email address is MarlissaHudson at gmail.com. Are you starting to see a trend? (laughs) (laughs) You can find me. (laughs) I make it easy on purpose. Twitter handle is Marlissa Hudson. So people should be able to find me any way they want to, and I look forward to engaging people and working together. How about you, Colin? What's your website? My website address is colindeaton.com. Again, Colin D as in David Eaton.com, all one word. And my email address is info at colindeaton.com. Um, I don't do social media, so I don't have a Twitter account or Facebook, MySpace, any of those things. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can go to my website, listen to, watch some audio, I mean, watch some video, um, email me, message me. You can see my upcoming events, things like that. I always, I always respond quickly, the same day to emails, contacts, things like that. So ColinDEaton.com and info at ColinDEaton.com. And I do want to give you a shout-out because I was just on your website a couple of days ago and I was listening to you sing some arias from the High in Creation, and I was very impressed with that. And I do want to go ahead and speak. I, I keep on saying the last thing, but the more we talk, the more things I want to know. Tell, tell us a little bit about your experience singing on the master class from Simon Estes. Oh, that was amazing. Uh Mr. Estes is, of course, an, an, a music icon in the opera world, in the African American music world. He's no one, no one who knows anything about music doesn't know Simon Estes. Um, when I had the opportunity to sing for him, he was so gracious in his response to me. Um, he actually gave me his contact info and said he wanted to do put together a tour of young artists to go on the road and 
expose us to the world. So, um, yeah, Mr. Estes is a, is a, a true gem to the uh, African-American community and to the opera world. He's, he was amazing. Wow. Um, Marlissa, any final thought that you want to give collectively uh, just um, to our interview today that you maybe want to just impart to the listeners about your final thought about why you all chose to do this concert? Sure. I mean, well, first we want to say thank you to you, Patrick, for having us and giving us a vehicle to share this. Um, Thank you so much. Yes. One of the biggest things is to come open and prepared. I mean, we planned this. It's as cathartic for us as it is for them. And the way we see singing is it's a sharing of energy, right? It's an exchange. So we're looking to see all of your beautiful faces in the audience and to share a journey together. So this will be an active recital. We fully anticipate it will be that way. If people need a moment, we'll give them a moment (laughs) at the very end. Right. Sometimes you need a moment, right? And at the very end, there will be a surprise, but we'll have other people involved. Because it took a village to get us through this. We didn't do this on an island. No, not even close. And and please be ready. (laughs) I I might even ask for a Q and A. I might ask somebody. You know, anyone has any questions about this particular? Because I know I don't know about Marlissa, but I'll be doing some spoken word as well in between some some selections to set it up. So it's just not random music. Oh, this describes this this point in his life. No, you're going to see why this song is relevant right here. You're going to see why I was a butthole at this point or I was the victim or I was the challenger. You'll see all those things. Um, it's, so be prepared for complete honesty. You know, how, how often, especially in this area, do you get an honest response from someone? You ask them a direct question and they answer your question with a question. We're not going to do that. We're going to answer your questions with true honesty and true emotion. Wow. Again, thank you both so much for being here today. And, again, this uh, interview will be posted uh, on Facebook and social media, so I hope that the listeners will continue to share this to all their friends. Again, this has been Patrick D. McCoy with Across the Arts, and we're so thankful to have had soprano Marlissa Hudson on with us with Colin Eaton Tenor. We're just so delighted and excited to be able uh, to attend their concert on Sunday, which is, again, March 17th at 4 o'clock p.m. at All Souls Unitarian Church in Washington, D.C. Again, this is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice and class music. I encourage you to follow me on Twitter at Patrick B. McCoy, and also like my Facebook page, Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice and class music. And, of course, I definitely encourage you to visit WashingtonLife.com, which is where I am featured as performing arts columnist. Again, this is Patrick D. McCoy. You have to make a voice in classical music, and I do wish you all a wonderful day. Take care, Patrick. Thank you so much. Thank you.